Question. Who is the smallest person in the Bible? Any guesses? Baby Jesus is a good guess. Um, he's sort of disqualified, though, as a baby. Smallest adult in the Bible. Any guesses? Not a very educated crowd, are you? <laughs> yes. Oh, you took my second punchline from me. Uh, we're going to pretend we didn't hear that. Any other guesses? <laughs> it's not Zacchaeus, which some of you can't quite remember, but that's the short guy who climbs up in the sycamore tree and to see Jesus. No, the smallest person in the Bible we heard from in today's first reading, Nehemiah. <laughs> that wee little governor of Israel. Okay, so that's a bad joke. And it is a bad joke because what you might not know, but Father Bill does, is that there's an even shorter person in the Bible. He was one of the three so-called friends of Job's. Bildad the shoe height. Shoe height. Tall as a shoe. All right. Whew, well, anyway, <laughs> huh, you are a tough crowd. Take comfort in the fact that you will not have to hear those jokes again until at least the year 2022. Because today is the only day in the entire three-year cycle of the church lectionary when we hear from the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. But rest assured, in three years, I will be here. <laughs> I will say it again. Maybe you'll get it that time. <laughs> okay. In today's first reading, a poignant and moving worship service is taking place. The people of Israel had been exiled in Babylon for about 70 years from 586 to 516 BCE. The first generation to return to Jerusalem found it decimated. It took 22 years to rebuild the temple. Then, anywhere from 40 to 80 years elapsed before Nehemiah, a Jew in the court of the Persian king Artaxerxes, got permission to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild its city walls. After a number of setbacks, that task was accomplished in just a few months. Our reading this morning describes the worship service that takes place a few days after the city wall's completion. For the first time in 150 years, the Torah, the law of God as revealed to Moses, is read in the temple to all the people gathered. So it's a poignant moment in their history. Their once destroyed city is finally rebuilt, even if it does cast a mere shadow of its former glory. The walls surround it symbolically, circumscribing the Jews' identity as a people tied to this one place after decades of being scattered about. And they're gathered together for worship as one people at long last. The returned exiles, who were professionals, priests, craftsmen, and the wealthy, joining the remnant who were left behind in Judea, the people of the land, poor farmers and herdsmen. These two groups weren't really getting along so well at this point. But when Ezra, the scribe, reads from the Torah, the people realize they are one. 
The word of God recalls them to their common identity and history as a people who worship Yahweh, and no one is left out. Where they have congregated is the square in front of the water gate, a place where everyone could be present, even the ritually unclean. So the Torah is not read inside the temple for the elect few who can enter there. No, men and women and all who could understand are included in the hearing of this reading. Our first reading this morning uses the phrase, all the people, eight times, defining this moment as one of unity, of reunion and return. And the people weep, though we're not sure why. Maybe for sorrow at all the years they were without the word of God. Maybe for regret when these readings remind them how far short they have fallen from the laws of God. Maybe for joy at recovering the Torah and their identity. Probably for all of the above. And so it is with us. Our history is not that of the Jews in Nehemiah's time, of course, but we still gather together in this church from our disparate lives, some of us coming from a place of exile. It's been years since we stepped foot in a church. Others of us coming with a sense of having been left behind here. Like those poor farmers in Jerusalem, we have stayed faithful to this place, but now may feel taken for granted and shunted aside despite our years of service. But all of us are here with a longing for the word of God, to return to the sacred text, to reunite with the beloved community, all of us carrying a hope for transformation in our hearts. We bring our sorrows, our regrets, our joys, our anger, trusting that all we have and all we are will be welcomed and included. Do not mourn or weep, Nehemiah tells us, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Together we are one as the body of Christ. That's what Paul says in his epistle to the Corinthians this morning. And while there are many things we can do on our own, being a Christian is not one of them. Like the human body, we are separate parts of an interdependent whole. The eyes cannot see without the brain, cannot think without the blood, cannot flow without the heart, cannot function without oxygen from the lungs, cannot survive without the rib cage to protect them, and on and on. So to be the body of Christ is to be in relationship with others. We all have a part to play in making sure that body functions properly, that it's healthy and active or contemplative and at rest when necessary. And Paul insists that none of us as part of Christ's body is disposable who we are and the unique gifts we bring to this church are just what the body needs to thrive. So if you walk through those church doors some days feeling like a, like a pinky toe, <laughs> wondering whether all these brains inside here could have any use for you, remember, you just might be the balance this community needs. The little toe that stabilizes and grounds us, that brings us back to our center. 
Some of you are eyes. You have a vision of what St. Luke's is and could be, so you've joined the vestry. Or you can see when a fellow member is in distress. Or your creative eye selects our bulletin's artwork or participates in our yearly art show. Some of you are ears and mouths, good listeners who offer compassion and comfort to others, or good lectors with an ear for phrasing, or singers in the choir or in the pews, or musicians who share your talents with us. Some of you are hands. Your gift is one of tactile service, doing maintenance on the church grounds, setting up and cleaning up and beautifying the sanctuary as an altar guild member baking our communion bread, counting our collection plate, shaking hands and handing out bulletins as ushers. Some of you are feet. You feel called to walk out those church doors and stand with the oppressed and forgotten in our society. And some of you come to church every week and sit in your seat, never knowing how your presence might inspire those of us who see your faithful attendance. We need each other, and Christ needs us all to be his body in the world. Last Sunday, 15 of us stepped out as the body of Christ and joined in a Los Gatos interfaith service project at Sacred Heart Community Service in San Jose, prepping bags of groceries and sorting clothes alongside Jews, Presbyterians, and Muslims. That's what I'm talking about. I had the distinct pleasure of bagging canned peaches next to Mia, an eighth grader from Shir Hadash Temple who told me about her bat mitzvah. In front of her congregation, holding the yad, the pointer to mark her spot on the Torah scroll, she read from Numbers chapter 12, the story of Miriam, Moses' sister, being struck with leprosy for questioning the authority of her brother. Not the most fun reading to have for your bat mitzvah. Then after the reading, Mia gave a short sermon on the meaning of the text. She didn't tell me what she said that day, but I imagine she applied the scripture passage to her own life, revealing a truth about herself and God's message for everyone in that particular text. That's precisely what Jesus does in today's gospel reading. From Isaiah chapter 61, he recites, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then, in the shortest sermon ever, he merely says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Just nine words, but they reveal a truth about who he is and the message he brings from God. Christ came down to embody those words from Isaiah. As the body of Christ, we are called to the same. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to bring good news to the poor to proclaim release to those held captive in so many ways, to recover the sight of those blinded by their own hatred or pain, to advocate for the oppressed that they may one day be free, and to proclaim this year as the one of the Lord's favor. 
Let these words be fulfilled in your hearing. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? If you seek a good book on the anatomy of the body of Christ, I commend to you St. Luke's annual report. In it, you will find many surprising and wonderful stories about how this body functions and thrives, along with diagrams that may reveal an opportunity for you to participate as a crucial member. Anyone can participate. Just last night, I received an email from a woman who said, I've been a member at that church for 50 years and longer. I go to the 8 o'clock service so I don't know anyone. But I make greeting cards. And if you send me the addresses of people who are sick or who haven't been to church in a while, I will send them a greeting card that will say, from your friends at St. Luke's who are thinking of you. This is a woman who has been here for a long time and feels like maybe she can't contribute, and yet she's offering this beautiful gift, this thing that she can do from home. And when you are sick and you get a card from your church wishing you well, what a gift. The boys who play Saturday service, uh, the young string trio playing violin and cello, they want to offer a high school youth musician series on Saturdays. They're very excited about it. They've got friends at Saratoga High School. Um, we'll see if it happens, but their eagerness is there. And that span of ages, you know, all of us can contribute to the body of Christ and bring our gifts and bring our joy for service and sharing. And it makes a difference. As it was with the Jews hearing Ezra read from the Torah for the first time in decades, so it is with us. It's about unity, identity, interdependence, commitment, and joy. Those are some of the characteristics that we carry as the body of Christ. And the blood that flows through it all is God's love. So today, let us take heart and hands and knees and noses and toeses and chins and shins. Let us take heart that we get to be together as the body of Christ. And let us give thanks for the love we share in this community of St. Luke's. Amen. Amen.